We were uh, looking at Ananias and how he received this vision from the Lord. But before we go there, a couple things came to my mind this week as I was uh, studying for this. Uh, and some things you just you know gloss over as you're going over them. Uh, but there's an emphasis that I want to point out to Saul here. Uh, and it's very interesting that you see Saul after his conversion and over in the book of Romans and how he talks about... Uh, his desire for Israel, right? And the love that he has for this nation. And I don't think that love was any different, right? Before his conversion. But what you see, and what I didn't emphasize as we were coming through, the Gentiles have just now started to be added to the church, right? And we saw it last chapter with Philip. He's not persecuting Gentiles, He's persecuting Jews, <laughs> the very ones that he says that he loves. So go with me real quick over to Romans. And uh, in the famous words of Brother Don, this is for free. <laughs> this is not part of your notes. <laughs> uh, so pick it up in Romans chapter 9 and verse uh, 1. And we've been here in other studies, but we'll, we'll make this a part of what we're doing here next. In verse 1, he says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness by the Holy Spirit, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were a curse from the Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises, whose are the fathers uh, and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all. God bless forever. Amen. And so you see here, he's, he's gaining a good perspective in the book of Romans concerning what's going on with Israel now. But I don't think anything changed in this desire that he had for Israel after his conversion, only that he knew properly how they fit into this plan. But he had this same desire for the nation beforehand, uh, and yet he persecuted them. Go with me over to chapter 10 and we'll continue on. And you see this affinity that he has for Israel as a nation. It says in verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. You see, he still has this desire even after his conversion. And then in uh, chapter 11, he summarizes it to say, hey, this is how they fit into God's plan now. And in verse 1, he says, I say then, hath God cast away his people May it never come to be, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. What ye not what the scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel. Uh, and we could go on from there, but we won't. Uh, and then just quickly over to Philippians chapter 3. And we've been here before, but again, we didn't emphasize this as we were going through. Uh, just to look at his background. And in Philippians chapter 3, and verse 1, we see it says there, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. 
For we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and have and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any man think, thinketh uh, that he have whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more uh, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew out from Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. And so uh, you see these things mattered to him before his conversion, right? His nat- national origin, uh, the, the religion of Judaism, it all mattered. And yet he was persecuting Jews, right? There's no Gentiles here that he's after. These are all Jews that he's persecuting. So it's a very interesting thing that popped up to me. And I just wanted to add that to what we're looking at as we look at this story of his conversion in the book of Acts. So go back to Acts chapter 9, and we'll use that as our introduction. And I believe we left off, um, let me get, get it right here, in verse 10. And so we're looking at the Lord's appearance to Ananias. And remember back here, the Lord has already uh, appeared to uh, Saul on the road to Damascus. He's been struck blind for three days. And Brother Don and I had an interesting conversation of was he uh, converted at this point or was it at the point of uh, uh, that the Lord appeared to him? Uh, Suffice it to say, we know that he is saved at this point in time, right? And so he's going into Damascus and he's about to see uh, Ananias and they're going to have an interesting time, to say the least. But before he does, uh, the Lord appears unto Ananias and has to reassure him, right? Because this guy that loves the nation of Israel, what is he doing? <laughs> He's out killing Jews and looking to end this sect of uh, Judaism that they call that way. But let's bow in a word of prayer and we'll get started. Father, we're so uh, grateful for this day. Uh, we're grateful for the grace that you've provided to us and that you open our eyes uh, similar to how Paul's eyes were open here to see the truth and we were all uh, at one point in time in our lives headed in a direction that led to destruction in which if you had allowed us to continue in that direction that we would have uh, been caught up in the wrath with the rest of the world and so we're grateful that uh, you sacrificed your son on our behalf that we might be able to Uh, truly see and experience life uh, that is available in Christ. We're grateful for these that have gone before us uh, throughout the book of Acts to set the foundation for the church, uh, that we would know how to utilize the provisions of grace that have been provided to us. We're grateful for all these things, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, and so uh, we're looking at the Lord's appearance to Ananias again here, and uh, let's just read. Uh, And we'll read from uh, verse 10 to 19 as this is the, uh, well, just to give it a little (laughs) context, read from 1 to 19. It says in verse 1, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if any be found of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near to Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light out from heaven. And he fell uh, to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, 
Who art thou, Lord? And, he, and the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were open, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house uh, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way, as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then Saul uh, was certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. And so we'll break down this uh, context between uh, verses 10 and uh, 19. But we're at the top of page 8 in your notes. And so last week we started this off with looking at uh, the appearance of, Anani of the Lord's appearance to Ananias. And Ananias was described uh, as a disciple or a follower of Jesus out from Damascus. And so we looked at this uh, term for disciple, which is used, I believe, for these that were saved during Christ's earthly ministry and carried over into the book of Acts and this transition uh, into the dispensation of grace. Uh, we see that Ananias was instructed through a vision from the Lord. And so we talked about this a little bit, but we'll talk about it more here today. Uh, this word for vision or hormati, which is uh, the result of something seen. So we've talked about the uh, Greek verb horao, which has that idea of glancing on something with some discernment of what you're seeing, right? There are some things you look at and you have no frame of reference for what it is that you're looking at, right? We see that with uh, John over in uh, Revelation, where he looks at all of these things that are happening, but he's got no frame of reference for these things that are happening in the future. Uh, this word has the idea of you're looking at something and you have some uh, mental concept of what it is that you're seeing. Uh, and so we see this uh, and, and saw this with uh, Peter uh, before his meeting with Cornelius. Now, we touched on this, but didn't really go into it. But go with me over to Acts chapter 10 and verse 3. 
And I think there's a couple words used here for uh, this word for uh, hara'o, or hormati. Um, and it says in verse 1, there was a certain man in Caesarea named, or, or called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave alms uh, to, to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision, evidently, now this word for evidently means clearly. So there was no uh, cloudiness, no fog, no uh, inability to ascertain what was going on. He clearly saw in this vision, like you guys and I are sitting in this room, what was happening, right? And so about the ninth hour of the day, an angel from God coming in to him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord or sir? And he said unto him, thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send to Joppa and call for uh, Simon, whose surname is Peter. Peter. Uh, he lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. Uh, he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel would, uh, which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a, a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. Uh, and when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent to Joppa. And on the morrow they sent on their journey and drew nigh unto the city. Uh, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the six hours. So on one side, you, you see this vision is given to Cornelius to prepare him for what's about to happen as Peter's coming. And then on the other side, you're going to see a vision for Peter. So he's uh, told what he should do. And it's very similar to what you see in chapter nine, where the Lord has to go to Ananias and he has to go to Paul and tell them, hey, this is exactly what you need to do so that they'll be uh, right in the same place at the same time. Uh, and in that case with Saul, <laughs> you see Ananias has a little bit of hesitance to uh, go to him just because of his history. In verse 10, it says, and he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they were while they made ready, he fell into a trance. Now, this expounds on what a vision is, right? He's, he falls into this trance uh, or really the word we would translate in English ecstasy. Right. And transcribed straight over into the, the English language. Now, you think of ecstasy as you're thinking of it in English terms as some kind of euphoric state that you're in. Right. But here it's just this idea of him not being in a normal state like you and I are looking at each other. There's something bigger spiritually going on here. And so he's in this ecstasy. And in verse 11, and it says, and they saw uh, heaven opened and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there uh, came a voice to him, rise, Peter, and kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake uh, unto him again the second time, what God hath cleansed, thou call not, uh, or call not thou common. Uh, and so you see here, uh, <laughs> Peter, as is his want, uh, he still hasn't gotten it all together and worked out all the kinks. He's arguing with the Lord as to <laughs> what he should do. Uh, now, don't give Peter all of the blame here. We see the same thing in the previous chapter with Ananias, right? 
God tells him, go to this guy, Saul. And he says, "Eh, (laughs) really? Do you you really mean that, God? I I don't know. This guy has been killing Christians. I I don't think I ought to do that. And so you see this uh, test of their faith here, as it were. Uh, But it's uh, shown through this vision. Now, in uh, Acts chapter 11 and verse 5, we also see that current stated further uh, as a trance or an ecstasy as it relates to uh, Peter. And as he's rehearsing these things that had happened. And pick it up in verse 1. And it says there, And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were at, of the circumcision contended with him, saying, Thou wentest in to men uncircumcised and didst eat? <sighs> oh my gosh, <laughs> look what he's done here. Verse 3, saying, uh, or verse 4, But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it uh, by order or in order unto them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance. And I saw a vision. And so here you see these two words put together, right? The ecstasy and then the word for or hormati for this thing seen. And so we know that he was not in his regular state of mind, right? He's not as you or I are sitting here uh, in a regular form of mind. There's something else that's going on here where he's seeing a little bit more. And I think delving over into the realm of eternity a little bit to see uh, things that that we wouldn't see, uh, uh, humanly speaking. Uh, And in verse 5, it says, or continues, and it says, A certain vessel uh, descend as it had been a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even to me, upon the which when I had fastened mine eyes, I considered... And saw four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean hath ever at any time entered into my mouth. But the voice answered me again out from heaven, uh, What God cleanse, that call not thou common. And so here he's telling them why he went to eat with Gentiles, because God has said this is no longer necessary, right? The distinction between Jew and Gentile is not the same as it used to be. And so you can go and commune and and go on to these uh, Gentiles as well. And we see the result of it there. If we were to go through it, uh, we will here in, uh, I don't know how long it'll be. Uh, we joke with the pastor about how long it's taken him to get through Second Corinthians, but we're moving at a pretty slow pace as well. Uh, but we, we will get there, I assure you, uh, unless the Lord returns first. Um, but you see this idea here that uh, uh, they were able to go into the Gentiles, and this was translated to him through this vision. Now, also in Acts chapter 12 and verse 9, we see that Peter uh, thought that uh, the angel that delivered him out from prison was a vision. And so this wasn't actually a vision, but based on some of the things I think he had seen before, he thought it's happening again. But in Acts chapter 12 and verse 9, now remember, uh, Paul is, or, or Peter is in prison here, and pick it up at verse 4. And it says there, and when uh, he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him uh, to the four court. Cor- oh boy, I'm going to have a hard time saying this today. Cordon- <laughs> you see it. <laughs> read it. Read it as it's there. Of soldiers uh, to keep him. 
intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church into God or unto God for him. Uh, and when or when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with chains and the keepers before uh, the door kept the prison. Now, <laughs> they've learned their lesson right from earlier in, in the uh, book where we saw Peter released before. They're going to make sure they got people right there beside him, uh, guarding him and making sure he can't get out. Well, he's going to get out again. Verse 7, And behold, the angel, or really there an angel that thee is not there in the Greek, uh, from the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised, uh, raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee. And follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true, which was done through the angel, but thought that he saw what? A vision. So he thought this was something that's outside of normal experience, right? <laughs> As you or I are sitting in this room, if we had something similar happen where, where uh, an angel came out from the spirit realm <laughs> into this realm, we'd probably be a little appalled to what was going on and think it was some kind of a dream. Uh, but here's what, what happened to Paul or Peter. So you see, as we're going back to chapter 9, this same uh, state that, again, I believe is stepping into the, the spirit realm here in the realm that we're in and allowing them to see things that in this physical realm aren't necessarily there uh, helps them to understand and hear Ananias to commune with God, right? And for God to give him instruction that he understands, hey, you're supposed to go to this guy, Saul. I know all the things that you've heard. I know he's maniacal. I know he's been killing Jews at a high rate, but you are supposed to go to him. Trust me. Uh, we're going to see he will do it, but not before he argues a little bit. Um, but in uh, going on in your notes to point two, we see the response here of Ananias and so what does he say? <laughs> he says, uh, behold, I am here. And so his immediate response is to say, I am here, Lord. Now, it gives you a little bit more uh, in the English and what's there in the Greek. If you were to literally translate this, he would just say, behold, I. Right. And this is a similar response to what we've seen many times before of people who have had God calling to them and asking them to do something. And what do they say in the Old Testament? They say, Hanani, <laughs> I'm here, Lord. <laughs> I'm waiting for your command. Right. And so I wanted to go through a couple places where we see that, because it's just to me always as I grew up hearing some of these stories, it's such a cool phrase for them to use. Right. They don't argue with God, although Ananias is here. They just say, I'm here, I'm at your service, use me as you will. Uh, and so we see this with Abraham and his response to the Lord and his instruction to sacrifice Isaac. Go with me back to Genesis chapter 22 and verse 1. Now, a little bit uh, of the distinction that you can see here is that uh, Abraham didn't necessarily have to be in this vision state, right? God just talked directly to him and told him what he wanted him to do. 
so there are some distinctions, but the response is very similar. Uh, and pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 22. It says there, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, I. <laughs> right? So you see those little italics there? <laughs> that means that it's not there. It's very similar to what you see in the New Testament. Behold, I. I'm, I'm really, you could say, I'm here for your service. Uh, verse 2, And he said, Take now thy son, thy only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and uh, offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Now, can you imagine the, the angst here? Uh, you're putting your faith in God. You've waited all these years for this, this son, and now God is telling you to go and sacrifice him. Would you guys argue with God a little bit? You don't, you don't really mean that, God. <laughs> you don't really want me to, to sacrifice the son that you've given me after all these years. No way. Verse 2, uh, or verse 3, And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place which God hath told him. You see, no arguing, right? He just gets up and does what God tells him to do. And we could scroll down to verse 11, and it says, And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, he said, Here I, or behold I. And he uh, said, Lay not the hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him. For uh, now I know that thou hast uh, fearest God, uh, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. So you see this act of, of faith that follows this statement from God or this action that he's telling him to do, right? And this behold I as a willingness to do what God is asking him to do. And I think Ananias must not must have not have been remembering his Old Testament scripture because he does argue a little bit. But go with me over to uh, Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 3, and we see a similar thing in Samuel's response when the Lord uh, called him to take the place uh, and remember he's just a little boy here uh, but first Samuel chapter 3 and he's gonna call him uh, several times and first he thinks it's Eli that's, that's calling him and then uh, he figures out or Eli ends up telling him that uh, it's God and he should respond to him uh, but pick it up in verse 1. It says, And then the child Samuel uh, ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at the time when Eli was laid down in his place, uh, and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And er, uh, the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And Samuel was laid down to sleep. And uh, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I. And he uh, ran unto Eli and said, Here I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not. Lie down again. And he went uh, and laid down. Verse 6, And the Lord called yet again Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I, <laughs> for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie down again. 
Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called uh, Samuel again a third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt speak, speak, Lord, for thy uh, servant heareth. Uh, so Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood and called uh, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, thy servant heareth. And the Lord said, uh, Samuel, behold, I will do a thing in Israel, at uh, which both the ears of every one uh, that heareth it shall tingle. Uh, and he goes on from there, and that's uh, going to prophesy through Samuel. But here you see, uh, again, this, this behold I uh, statement, and then an expanded one uh, as he starts to really talk to the Lord. Uh, now we see this is also used of Samuel's response to the Lord at the end of his service. We won't go there over in 1 Samuel 12, 3. And finally, uh, in David's response to the Lord after sinning against him uh, in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 24 and verse 17. But going back to the New Testament, uh, you see there's precedence for uh, this response to the Lord. And usually <laughs> it's obedience. But here you see... Uh, and I'm not going to hold a lot against Ananias. This is uh, a pretty tough thing that's being asked of him, right? <laughs> How many of you guys, if you had seen some kind of maniacal persecutor of the church, and the Lord is coming to you and saying, go to this man, <laughs> and you're going to help him to receive his sight, uh, and, you know, he's, you'll be all right. <laughs> Just go ahead and do it. Would you guys do it? You're, you're, I know you guys all would. Your faith wouldn't. Mm -hmm take you right over there. Me, I might question it a little bit, but you see this here. Uh, and so as the Lord uh, responds and, and calls out to him, uh, Ananias says, behold, I, and then in verse 11, uh, we see that the Lord's instruction to Ananias uh, on what he is to do. And so he says uh, in, in verse 11, and the Lord said unto him, arise and go into the street, which is called straight and inquire in the house of Judas for one uh, called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. And so this uh, word for and is tying together the previous statement there. So it's a conjunction connecting Saul's response uh, uh, to, or excuse me, um, uh, the Ananias' response uh, to his instructions. I messed up my notes there. But this word for arise is in the aorist, it's an aorist active participle. And so it's uh, having been uh, having been caused to rise up um, or, or having ro risen up uh, in the active form at a point in time, he went. And so this idea of go um, was made to go in the passive. Right. So he he didn't go of his own volition. He went because God told him to go. Uh, and so having been uh, made or, or having been made risen up. He was made to go. Well, I'll get that out yet. And so this highlights the fact that he would need uh, to be led by others uh, due to his own physical and spiritual uh, deficiency uh, into the street, which is called uh, straight. And so this uh, street here uh, is really just the word for street. Uh, and the word for straight is the one uh, having been made straight. And so it's actually a participle form, too. Uh, you guys have page 109, correct? Okay, top of page 109. 
And we see this uh, conjunction here uh, and an additional instruction uh, to him being caused to rise and go. He tells him to inquire. And so here you see the idea of seeking out by questioning uh, uh, to um, this house of, of uh, I'm missing the name there, Judas. And what is he supposed to do there? Uh, this idea of seeking, again, the, the word there is the diligence of individuals seeking out of a thing uh, until found. Uh, and so he's supposed to seek this person, Judas, by name uh, of this Tarsian Saul. So here's where the, the description of this Saul comes about, right? And this is where the trouble is going to begin for Ananias. And it says, for behold, he prayeth. And so this four here is an explanation of why he is being instructed to seek Saul. And so Saul was praying for the purpose of clarity uh, as it concerns his current conditions. And Ananias was the answer to that prayer. And so this connects two things that are happening, right? At the time that Saul is sitting here praying to God and elaborating instruction on what he should be doing, God is setting up the answer to his prayers and bringing Ananias over there to cause him to receive his sight and to give him further instruction. Uh, and, and we see in verse 12 that the status of, of uh, Paul or Saul is explained to Ananias. And so it says, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Uh, and so breaking that down. Again, this and conjunction is used and used quite frequently throughout this context. But this connects the instruction provided to Ananias with the current state of Saul. Uh, and this word here for he has seen, he saw at a point in time. So this is looking, these two things are happening concurrently, right? He's over here praying on behalf of God that he would elaborate his purpose. And so that's as he's speaking to Ananias here, this is happening at a different point in time. And so he's seen in a vision, the same word that we saw for vision before uh, or by means of a vision. Again, the resultant state of something that has been visually witnessed. And this occurs actually 12 times in the book of Acts. We won't go to all of those, uh, but you could also see it uh, or excuse me, outside of the book of Acts. Uh, but you could also see it over in uh, Matthew chapter 17 and verse nine on the Mount of Transfiguration. Um, and. Did I copy my notes again here? These are the same verses as before. Uh, oh, I think I added a couple. So uh, we won't go to these because we went to a couple of these before. But in Acts chapter 16 and verse 9, we see this word is used. And really here, the same construction of this word uh, by means of a vision. Uh, it's seen for Acts uh, with Paul as he, uh, when the spirit was leading him to go to Macedonia. Um, and then in Acts chapter 19, 18 and verse 9, we see it used there uh, of Paul as he uh, makes an appearance unto the Lord. Go with me real quickly over to that one. Acts chapter 18 and verse 9. We've got about five minutes here. Let me see where we should probably land in verse 12 and finish here. Um, and go back to verse one, it says there, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. 
because Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. And because he was this, of the same craft, he abode with him, or with them, excuse me, and wrought uh, for by their occupation, they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue after the Sabbath uh, and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from uh, Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the uh, Jews that Jesus was not Christ there, but the Christ uh, looking at the Messiah. Verse six. And when the, they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook off his raiment and said unto them, your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean from henceforth. I will go unto the Gentiles. And he departed from thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice. One uh, that worshiped the Lord, whose house joined uh, hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many Corinthians, uh, hearing, believed and were baptized. And they spake to the Lord, to Paul in the night by a vision. Or, or then spake the Lord uh, uh, to Paul in the night by a vision. Uh, Be not uh, afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace of we look at the, the history of what's going on here. Uh, Paul had faced persecution all the way up here, right? He'd come from Thessalonica and they chased him out of there all the way down. And the pastor kind of looked at this history uh, on Wednesday nights as he set up the studying of, of First Corinthians. But he was chased all the way from Thessalonica all the way through Athens, all the way to where he is now. And so he's a little shook at this time. And the Lord appears to him and tells him not to be afraid to continue to preach the gospel. But how did he appear to him? By means of a vision. And so you see this uh, occur there. So I use it that, that way and added these verses just to show you just a little bit of a, a different touch there of how this, this term for vision can be used. Uh, but going back to chapter 9, and we'll, we'll wrap it up here. And so as he's talking about, uh, or, or to Ananias about Saul... He's telling him that he's seen the Lord or he's seen uh, this occurrence uh, by means of a, a vision. And so uh, in verse 12, and that's seen uh, by means of a vision, a man uh, named Ananias coming in. And this idea of coming in is entering in at a point in time, alluding to uh, the house that Saul was in. And so uh, really, <laughs> what has Ananias seen? He's seen the future, right? He's seen something that has not occurred yet that's going to occur. Uh, here in a bit. And then uh, you could tie that with verse 17 and, and you see when it actually happens. And lastly, you see Paul's healing from uh, Ananias is envisioned as well. Uh, and so putting his hands on him, right, literally putting or laying hands on him that he might receive his sight. And so when we come back to this next week, we're going to see uh, that Ananias doesn't readily do what he's asked to do here, right? <laughs> he, he questions a little bit, uh, now, a lot of you guys in the room have had children, and I don't know your different parenting styles, but for me, when I tell my children to do something, I don't expect them to say, well, you know, <laughs> I, I understand that you're asking this thing of me, but <laughs> I don't want a but, right? I just want obedience. I want them to do what I'm asking them to do. I think God kind of wants the same, but he'll allow for a little bit of, of pushback before he gives clarification uh, in this uh, circumstance. So we'll come back uh, and look at uh, verses 13 on. Uh, let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, we're uh, grateful for this day. 
uh, grateful, uh, as always, uh, that you are a God that is long-suffering with us and uh, understanding of the fact that uh, we don't have your knowledge, we don't have your wisdom, we don't always see things the, the way that they really are. Um, and so from a human perspective, things can look very different than what they really are sometimes. And as we're reasoning through what makes sense to us in these minds, that um, it, it just doesn't always add up to the truth of what you've told us. Uh, but we are grateful that you are so long suffering with us, that you allow for us to, to work through these things and to learn in these situations where we've not been faithful or trusted in you. Uh, to be able to trust in you. And we see this with Ananias. We see it uh, with different uh, people throughout the book of Acts. that They've had to learn uh, through activity to trust in you uh, for all, that, uh, all that's going on around them. And so we pray that we would be able to learn uh, the same lesson as you allow us to face things and situations that uh, they just don't seem right from a human perspective, that we would put our faith and trust in you to be able to get through them. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.